Planning a spring break getaway? Well, with the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on any purchase you make today and every day. And those miles add up to get you closer to that trip to paradise. Every vanilla soy latte, double miles. Every time you pump gas, double miles. Even when you buy a set of monogram beach towels, yep, double miles. You earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, and then you go. The Capital One Venture Card, the card that takes you there. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA NA. Sabrosura, Hello, everyone. This is Pam of Café con Pam, the bilingual podcast featuring fearless Latinas, Latinos, Latinx, and people of color that are breaking barriers, changing lives, and making this world a better place while living in the U.S. Welcome to episode number 20 of Café con Pam. In today's show, we have a conversation with Roxanne Ocampo. Roxanne is an award-winning author, public speaker, blogger, and national college admissions expert. She began coaching students after helping her own children earn admission to every Ivy League campus and other high, highly selective campuses like Stanford, UCLA, USC, and Berkeley. Her nonprofit program, Quetzal Mama Scholars, serves students in eight North San Diego County high school districts. She's a doctoral fellow at University of California at San Diego, researching undermatching of California, Latina, Latino, high-performing, low-income, first-generation high school students. Hi, Roxanne. Hi. Good morning, Pam. How are you? Yeah. I'm I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here. I love your what your foundation, the program, the premise, fearless Latinos. I love that. Thank you, thank you. I you have an impressive background. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for all you do for all of these youngsters, you know, for the new generations because definitely having you as their pusher, I guess. You know, it's it's changing their lives and making, you know, they're getting into STEM and you were telling me before we started the recording that, you know, by allowing Latino students to get into Ivy League colleges, you know, they're just getting this also impressive background yes. education. Yes, I, and I'm I'm so honored to do it. And you know, I know it sounds cliche. A lot of people say, "Oh, you know, it's so rewarding and whatever." But honestly, this is what makes me wake up in the morning. This is what gives me the greatest joy. Um, just knowing that there's another student who is on their way to a great university because we don't have critical mass at these universities, and we do need that. So every effort, I think, helps. And and there's a lot of people you know, in this, in this um, arena who are also trying to help Latinos get to college. So I feel honored to be part of that group that's pushing. And, and I love that word, a pusher. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get you there. Yes. Right. Okay. So let's start. The first question that I always ask my guests is, when was the last time you smiled at a stranger? Oh my gosh. Last night I, um, I met about 50 strangers wow. at um, I did a workshop at a school district out here, and it was for middle school students. And so, you know, contrary to this big myth that we hear that Latino parents don't care about education and, oh, if only the Latino parents cared, then their kids would be doing so much better. You know, I wish they could be with me when I travel up and down California at all these different school districts. And on a Wednesday night, like last night at 530 at night, all these Latino moms and dads with infant babies standing wow. up in the room only coming out to hear 
middle uh, tips for middle school students to get to college. Wow. So those strangers and I, I was probably smiling nonstop. <laughs> so happy to be there. I loved it. That's awesome. Okay, so let's start exploring your story a little bit. How what what's your background? What's your ethnicity? So I'm Mexican American, proud okay. Chicana, Latina, Latinx, <laughs> Mexican. Um, that's my that's my background. My uh, family came from Jalisco and Chihuahua, um, and I'm proud. Um, I'm very proud to be Latina. Are you first generation? I am technically not first generation because my. <laughs> this is a funny story. My mom said. When she was born in Greeley, Colorado, oh, all her brothers and sisters were were born in Mexico. But my grandparents went to Greeley because they were picking the crops at the time, and so my mom was born there. So technically, she was born there. So I'm technically not first second generation. generation. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's okay. That's okay. I identify more with first generation um, recent immigrants, I think, than like fifth or sixth generation. Yeah, um, for sure. So then your parents met here? They actually did meet here when they were 15 um, at the Santa Clara County Fairgrounds because my my dad was in San Jose and my mom was in Santa Clara and that's how they met. And then they just stayed together forever. They're still together to this day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so you grew up in North County, San Diego? I grew up in San Jose and I lived oh. there for 30, almost 35 years until I met my husband who, um, he's an attorney and he said part of our marriage contract would be, I would have to move further east. Um, and so we actually moved to Tracy after I got married. Um, and we lived there for 11 years. That's in the Central Valley. And then we just moved to um, San Diego in 2013. So we haven't been here that long. Oh, Wow. Interesting. So what brought you to San Diego? Uh, My husband got a job offer um, as vice president at Cal State San Marcos, um, the university here. So it was a good time. Our kids were in college and our youngest had just finished uh, fifth grade. So he was going to go to a new middle school anyway. So Mm -hmm. we just decided to go for it. And we just packed up and went 500 miles and came out here. (laughs) Wow. Do you love it? I love it. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's awesome. So let's backtrack a little bit. How was your college experience? How did you decide that you wanted to go to college? Yeah, so my college experience, and here's the whole irony of it, is I was never um, uh, like a real strong, I love school, I'm going to go straight to college. Everyone in my family did that. They graduated high school, they went straight to college. But in my mind, I was, I'm I'm the middle child, right? I'm the brown sheep of the family. (laughs) In my mind, I thought I was so smart and I just wanted to travel and see the world and, you know, do all these things and be on my own. So I did not want to go to college right out of high school. So I didn't. And I actually didn't go back until I was in my early 40s. Really? Yes. Yes. I did not go back until then. So I I went back initially. I got an associate's degree. Then I transferred and I got a bachelor's degree in English. Then I got a master's degree in English. And then I eventually got to my doctorate. So um, once you went back, you didn't stop. <laughs> I didn't stop. I just, I, I just loved it. Um, you know, and there's something to be said. You know, I have a lot of parents that will say, you know, oh, my daughter, she's right on track. But my son, you know, he's not really feeling it right now. And I, t- I share my story and I say, you know, not everyone is going to be geared up and ready to go to college right, right after. And that's okay because – 
you know, we have a lot of options and some of us just have to grow a little bit more, um, marinate like a good glass of wine. <laughs> and, and I think in my case, that's, that's what it was. And, and then when I finally did go back, I just emerged myself and loved it and, and continue to learn to this day. Wow. So were you, what did you do before, before you went to college? I actually had a full-time, um, practice, and I, I always work by myself, it seems. Um, I was a full-time consultant in Silicon Valley. I was um, uh, consulting high-tech companies to set up their human resources practice. So they would hire me um, at the initial phase, and then I would help them develop their human resources um, practice. And then once the industry tanked in 2001, um, I got out of the business. But I had been in HR for like 20 years. So I, I got out of that business um, and then I, when we relocated to Tracy, all of this kind of coincided at the same time. That's when I went back to school. Um, I had my youngest child. Um, and then I stayed home for about seven years, I think. Yeah. Okay. And is that when your, your oldest started going to college? My old, so I have two that are the exact same age. They're not twins, but they're five weeks apart, Carlos and Gabby. So um, they start, they were in the same grade every year, right? So oh they, my gosh. I know, I know. So I had like, not only did I have double debt, because I was like, how am I going to pay for all this? I got two of them at the same time. But how am I going to strategize? Because they had very different aspirations. They had very different profiles. How was I going to help them get into the best college possible for them and do it at the same time? But it all worked out. And um, I learned a lot in that process. Yeah. And you, and that's how you, like, were you going to college then? No. So what happened was, and people want to know, like, well, where did you come from? How did you get into the work? Um, <laughs> what happened was, was really just helping my own kids. So Carlos and Gabby, they started asking me when they were, um, I don't know, eight years old or somewhere around there, you know, mommy, I want to get into a really good college. And my daughter said, I want to go to an Ivy League school, like Cornell, or she hadn't yet said Harvard, but she said Cornell and she had a pennant of Cornell in her room when she was nine years old. So I said, okay, um, I'm going to see what I can do to help you guys find, you know, find the way to get into a, a highly, highly selective college and hopefully to pay for it. But what happened was I go out and I'm a, I'm a research nerd at heart. I mean, I think I've always been a research nerd. I just didn't know it. Yeah. So I, I go out and I'm all excited. I, oh, I'm going to do some research and I'm going to find out how do we get Latino kids um, into the best colleges. I could not find anything. All I could find unfortunately, was a lot of literature on how Latino students fail. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, there's a lot. If you want to know how Latino students fail, <laughs> you will be just just inundated with all kinds of research on in every facet. You know, how do we fail? Everything from a deficit lens, including blaming Latino parents that it's our fault because we're not engaged. We don't push it. It's not quote, part of our culture, which is a big myth. So anyway, so all this negative deficit lens literature was out there. That was not going to help me. That doesn't help me with my challenge. I am looking for success metrics. I'm looking for positive, successful behaviors and things that my kids could do to get them to college. So mm. since I couldn't find it, what I did truthfully is I started looking at Asians and white well, the books that they wrote on like how to get your kids into the best colleges. So I started looking at that and I thought, you know, there's probably a specific angle for Latino students and I want to find out what that is. So I cleverly, I think, crafted a 
a, um, a theory on how to get Latino students to, to college, to the best colleges. And when the time came, it worked. And um, Gabby, our, our daughter, she's technically younger because Carlos is five weeks older. So our, our <laughs> middle child, uh, she was able to get into every Ivy League. Um, and ultimately, she picked Harvard. So she ended up getting a full ride to Harvard. Um, and Carlos... Um, his dream was USC here in Southern California, and he did get accepted, but USC didn't give him the good financial aid package that we were mm. looking for, <laughs> but UC Santa Cruz did. So he ended up going to UC Santa Cruz. Um, but that was all part of this whole learning process, you know, especially about how to pick the colleges that are mm. well, because what I share with my students and their families is you don't want to just pick the college that you love. Like the name, be- yeah. Yeah, just because of the name. Oh, I want to go to UC San Diego because it's on the beach close by and it's beautiful and it's a top competitive and it's UC. Well, that's all great, but UC San Diego is the third most competitive UC next to Berkeley and and UCLA. Your odds of getting in are not strong. So we've got to come up with a list of colleges that are going to be better aligned with your profile so that not only do you get in, but that those um, admission folks are going to be providing a better financial aid package. Wow. Uh, so long story short, that's how I got into college admissions. I had absolutely no background in college admissions. I wasn't, you know, from academia. I didn't have a teacher credential. I didn't have a counselor credential. I didn't have any of that. I was just a mom who wanted to help my own kids. And um, that's how I, I really got into it. And how old was Gabby and and Carlos when, when you started doing the research? Research? They were, let's see, nine years old, probably about 10 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I started early. I started (laughs) early because one of the things that I learned and and which is so helpful for, I think, parents to know is it doesn't happen when they're in high school. If parents wait until their kids are juniors or seniors in high school, they've missed a lot of strategies that they could have implemented that would have helped their kids. So um, really, you know, and, and the workshop I did last night was for middle schoolers. I want them to know you need to start doing stuff in middle school mm. that's going to position you even before you step foot on your high school campus. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that you have your college book camps starting from fourth grade. Yes. For that reason. Yes. And, and you would think, like, people, I think, think I'm crazy. Why is she doing college boot camps for fourth graders and fifth graders? Like, you're going to stress them out. It's not, none of it is, is stressful. So what I've done, I actually started this last summer. Um, San Marcos Unified School District hired me to do a one-week boot camp for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. It ended up being the most highly popular boot camp, and so they're bringing me back to do it again this year. Um, and the kids loved it because I didn't preach to them, you know, oh, and you got to take AP classes. and you Right. I mean, I, I shared some of that, but it was more about I want them to understand the lingo of, of college. I want them to understand that whole backward mapping process where you don't just miraculously become, you know, UCLA bound in your senior year of high school, that it all starts, you know, in fifth grade sometimes, in sixth grade and in middle school. So we do games. Um, they play college loteria. We do <laughs> Do a cooking episode where it's cooking with Quetzal Mama and I make enchiladas, but it has to do with college. They do um, debates. I mean, we really get into it. It's very interactive because kids at that age, I mean, you can't, I can't sit there and give them a workshop. Right, right. right. I have to 
I have to engage them and it has to be fun and it has to be a group activity. So that's what we did. Um, and that's what I'm um, hoping to do more boot camps this summer for any school district, not just here in San Diego County. Um, I went last year to Salinas Unified School District. Okay. Um, and I did, I actually did two boot camps. I went one week in the summer and I did for the high school juniors, I did a whole week boot camp, and then they brought me back to do another one for their um, seniors. Oh no, it was the other way around. It was their, their incoming seniors was the full week and then their um, newly arriving juniors was the next time. And that was a, a weekend boot camp. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and I also did a charter school district in Watsonville. So I was, <laughs> are you open to, to go like, of course people would pay for you to yeah. go out, out of state. Oh, absolutely. And I would, I would love to go out of state to do a boot camp. Um, because the, the college admissions info is not um, specific to California. Right. You know, this, my, the students that I coach, I coach students on a national level, and I coach thousands of students every year. Um, so I'm working with students from Arizona, Texas. I've had students in Kentucky. Wow. <laughs> yeah, all over the place, Massachusetts, Florida, Um it's, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out to a lot of students, so I am willing to go to any state. Yeah. And your, and your kids are now older. So yeah. it's not uh, like you have little ones too. Right. Well, I have my, I have my youngest, he's a freshman in high school. So yeah, after Carlos and Gabby went off to college, then, then it was like, all right, now I got to focus on Emilio. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He's my, he's my new project. I know that's, that's now where does he want to go? He wants to go to either, um, he always said Cornell, but I think that's because his sister had mm -hmm. said Cornell for so long. Um, but he, he really, he wants to go to an Ivy League school um, and he wants to go into either genetics or uh, maybe molecular cell biology, but he's interested in cancer research and he spends a lot of his time right now doing a lot of research. So, wow. Yeah, that's his interest and, and I support him in that. That's yeah. so cool. Okay, so I want to know, when you started doing your research, you wrote a book yeah. in response to an Asian mom book, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell our listeners, what were your findings? Because you mentioned that there was no information about Latinos going to college. It was just, you know, how bad we were doing. Yes. And then you went into the Anglo-Asian world And, yeah. and you're like, well, they're getting in, right? So let's right, figure right. out what they're doing. Yes. What were your findings? Well, I found a lot of really interesting things. So one of the findings I think that was very counterintuitive to a lot of parents was the fact that, um, you know, we should not shield our kids from um, all the adversity that's going on in the world in terms of race and ethnicity. Mm. So that That's a huge issue. Um, you know, and a lot of parents are like, well, you know, I don't want to talk to my kids about, you know, being proud to be Latino because then they're going to get all political and I don't want them to get, you know, hurt. And that's a dangerous place to be. But all of the research that I found was actually the opposite. And it said that uh, parents who actually expose their children and encourage their children to be proud to be Latino. So what that means is, going out, you know, showing them the different angle of Latino. So like we take our kids to 
festivals, to museums, to exhibits, anything that showcases Latinos in, in things that we're doing that are awesome and great that you don't see in the media. Right. right? So it's a counter message to what we see on CBS News or Fox News or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we wanted to do that. Um, and not only is it more healthy, according to leading Latino psychologists, uh, as far as um, inculturating your children to learn to be proud to be Latino, to, proud to be, um, you know, have that as their heritage, their ethnicity, but it's also associated with higher academic outcomes, including graduating from high school, going to college, and completing college. And not only that, this is associated with it, but higher scores on SAT exams and ACT exams. Wow. So me, as a college admissions consultant, that's important that I share that with my parents because that's not what I found in the literature when I started doing research. None of that was out there. I had to find specific um, researchers and say, okay, this is what they're saying. Where are they, where are they getting that from? What kind of research are they doing? How many students, what kind of students, but it's um, that's what I found. And that's what I recommend. That's what we did with our own kids. Um, and for the, my students that are getting into the most selective colleges, guess what? Those are the kids that are very involved in Mecha, Latinos Unidos, you know, anything. And here in, in North County, we have Encuentros Leadership for Latino Males. Um, mm. so, so anything that's going to help them to uh, create a positive identity instead of pretending that we're in a colorblind world, instead right. of... Okay, just want my child to be, you know, American because that's how they're going to be successful. Well, it's actually not how they're going to be successful. It's encouraging them to be proud of their um, heritage. Yeah. And I feel like I've had, I've had multiple guests from all ages and, and I also know people from different age, age ranges. And before it was, it was a lot of like that, you know, that you grew up, you know, like we have to be quiet, like almost unnoticeable because you didn't want to be proud. So I think it's definitely important to to highlight our brownness and yes. be loud and proud about it. That's right. That's right. Be <laughs> down with the brown. That's what we tell our kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So now you've written five books, which is incredible. And you your first one happened when you did the when you were working with your with your two kids, right? Yes. 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 How did you write <laughs> Like, how long did that take? How long did that take? You know what? It, surprisingly, it didn't take long at all. Like, in fact, the last three books that I've written were written while I was doing my dissertation at UC San Diego. Oh, my gosh. In that program. Yeah. It usually takes me from start to finish about one year. Um, and and I think because when I write, I'm writing in a way that's more, um, you know, I'm trying to teach something. So I'm not writing a memoir. I'm not writing, like you know, um, all my experiences with something I am writing, you know, if you want to go to, um, let's say Stanford, this is what you do. And so this is, I know I, this is the stuff I live and, and breathe 24 seven. So it's, I think it's easy for me to write about this. And then I have a background in English. So yeah. I think that helps. That helps <laughs> for <a lot>. sure. <laughs> yeah. But what I think what I, what I did and what makes it easy is I, I would start doing all these workshops, right? So I'm on the road and I'm, I'm doing all these workshops and I'm watching, you know, how are parents responding to this? How are students responding to this? My workshop style and content has changed so much from when I first started 
until now because I've been really just modifying and tweaking it along the way. So now when I've when I've looked at, okay, what's working? What do they like? What format do they like it in? I've taken that and used that same structure for the books. So yeah. it's it's like there's some there's a lot of humor in it because my parents <laughs> like humor. Otherwise, college admissions is really dry and boring. Oh yes, believe it me, it's very dry. But I, I have students who write to me and they say, "Oh my gosh, I was cracking up in your book about college essays." Like I never thought I would have someone write me saying, "I'm cracking up about your <laughs> college essay book." <laughs> But, but yeah, I try, I include lots of humor. I include a lot of culturally relevant stuff and, and I speak in, you know, our vernacular. So like people will understand some of the jokes because Latino families would understand it. Right. Yeah. You keep it familiar. Yes. I keep it familiar. (laughs) Now I read something about you that I thought that was awesome. When you confront the Latino culture reluctance to brag and how you, you basically put your children's accomplishments on the paper and you encourage yeah. that. Yeah. So, so this is another, you know, this was not something I found in the research. This was just something I learned living as a Latina in the United States. Um, in our culture, you know, we're taught that we should be humble, right? Mm-hmm. And we should brag and talk about ourselves because then we're going to have a big head and we're just going to be so cocky, right? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're taught that which is, you know, a wonderful thing, I think, about our culture, right? That's part of it's wonderful, but it's not wonderful in a college admissions context. And what I mean by that is when our Latino students are writing their college admissions essays, uh, they often bring this humble voice with them. Yes. Into the and that is not going to work. And I tell them, guilty. Asian, yes, you're I'm guilty. Parts, they are bragging about themselves and they are showcasing themselves and it's okay to do that, but we need to do that. Right. We can't be humble in this context. I have students who I've met with them and I've looked at their transcript and these kids are phenomenal and they're brilliant. If you read their essay, that is not the same student. You would never know because they don't want to brag about their accomplishments. So I yeah. have to encourage them. So for the parents who are listening, Um, You know, we really need to teach our children to be able to speak about our accomplishments. And I don't mean bragging, okay, because there's a there's a fine line between, you know, if I walk in a room and I say, wow, I'm so great. Look at what I've done, right? That's just pure bragging. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we need to own our accomplishments and we need to own that we have achieved greatness and it's okay to say that. Um, you know, and there's a way to craft it. And I talk about it in my book. I'm not going to do any plugs for my book, but I'm going to say. <laughs> Please do. People should okay, read okay. these. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy the way. So the book I'm talking about, um, Nailed It is the book. Um, let me decline that call. Nail. It's called Nailed It because I want my students to nail it. And it's um, Quetzal Mama's uh, cool, toolkit for extraordinary college essays. And, and so in this book, I share with students how they use the right tone, how they use the right language, how to structure it in a way that's really going to articulate their awesomeness because that's what they need to do. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of my students love that book because, like I said, it's I use a lot of humor. I show them what to do, the top 10 mistakes that Latino students make in their essays. And wow. I include 
at the back, I have actual essays from students that I've worked with over the last seven years um, who did get into top schools and they shared their essay. So they, they gave me, that was an honor to me that they allowed me to share their actual essay. So my students now can look at that book and say, oh, this is what that looks like. Oh, I get and it. And it's okay. And it's okay. Yeah. And, and gosh, this person sounds just like me. Gosh, this person has the same experiences because I can tell you when I went out to look at other books on college essays, it was not full of Joaquin and Maria and Lucinda. It was all, you know, Heather and Megan and none of our stories, none of our narrative was in those books. So this book actually has our narrative. We're, We're included and people can see our greatness in this book. And, and the kids can relate. Yes, yes. And just and learn how to do it step by step. Like, what do I do? How do I start? You know, what are they really looking for? What should I avoid? It's, mm. it, that's all in that book. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so now could you explain how Quetzal Mama came about? Like, what does it mean? And I know your mission is to provide free help to, to, college, to high school students or I guess, people who want to go to college. Yes, yes. From fourth grade, I guess. From very- <laughs> or even from kindergarten. You know, I, I joked last night, they asked me, what's the youngest students that you would be willing to work with to coach them? And I, and I jokingly said kindergarten. I, that would be too young because they wouldn't understand anything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but probably, you know, I like fourth grade because, you know, fourth grade, they're a little more mature. Um, you know, they're already thinking about, you know, middle school cause it's, they'll be in fifth grade and then they'll go right to middle school. Um, so it's a really good age. So I, I like working with students from fourth grade on, um, I do work with students primarily juniors. That's, that's the group I primarily work with. Okay. And because I choose juniors because, um, I don't want them to wait until their senior year. I want to be able to, you know, jump in and have them start getting right on top of everything that they need um, before they get to the senior year. So they'll be positioned really well. Okay. And what does Quetzal Mama mean? Okay, so Quetzal Mama. This was a funny. <laughs> this was a funny word. Um, be- because I like the bird, the Quetzal bird. It was just beautiful to me, um, and it came to symbolize our Latino students. Because in my mind, I see it as a metaphor. Um, this particular species of bird, you cannot contain it. You can't put it in a cage; it would just die. So I think of our students in the same way. You know, we we've. Uh, metaphorically, they're in these um, cages because they haven't been afforded opportunities. They haven't been afforded that social capital to help them realize their pathway to a college. Um, so they have these invisible rungs around them that keep them in this cage and do not allow them to soar and take flight. So that was why I chose Quetzal and Mama because the um, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom, that book had just come out. <laughs> and I hated it. I hated it. I actually... That book and all of her other writings after that. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's it's really sad. You know, here we have um, someone writing for Asian students, but we don't really have anything for Latino students. So I thought, you know, I'm a mom. I'm going to call it Quetzal Mama, and that'll be my response to Tiger Mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the name came, and it stuck. And it's so funny because... None of my students call me Mrs. Ocampo or Roxanne Ocampo. All of them call me Quetzal Mama. Really? It, it really, and it doesn't matter how long I've known them. I could have been coaching them for a whole year. Every email, dear Quetzal Mama, <laughs> they don't call me Mrs. Ocampo. So, so it just stuck. That name stuck. And 
Um, now it's, that's my pen name. It's the brand. Um, and that's just, the, I love the name. That's great. And I think like the metaphorical meaning of it, it's so powerful because yeah. of course if I'll put a picture of a Quetzal on the, on the show notes. Oh, it's a good, beautiful good. bird. <laughs> yes. And it's a beautiful bird. Yeah. I hope one day I'll go to Central America and I'll see a Quetzal bird. I would yeah. like to. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So this is the time when we have a short break and okay. we talk about coffee. Okay. So let's go to the coffee break. Okay. <laughs> okay. So today the coffee of the day is coming from James Coffee. James Coffee is a coffee shop in Little Italy, San Diego. Have you been? No. Oh, no. It's but a, I love coffee. <laughs> you love coffee? Good, good, good. We'll talk about coffee in a minute. So James Coffee is a nice coffee shop that's in a, in a space in Little Italy that shares other companies. Like it's one big space and they have different look, different little shops within the same space. It's really interesting. Oh. And yeah, so I, I pulled something from their website that was really cool and it says from the diligent hands that picks the coffee cherry to the honed intuition of the roaster cultivating the bean james coffee strives to instill in you a confidence that the conclusion of your beans journey will be a fantastic cup of coffee so that was so poetic <laughs> oh yes it sounds like more than coffee yeah. i'm gonna look them up right now i'm gonna see if i can find them i want to see what their place looks like it's really inter- it's really industrial and open space. There's there's a barber in there, a glass store, like glasses, like an optician or something. Oh, a bike store, like all of these businesses that really are unrelated to each other but somehow work together in that oh. big space. It's really it's really cool. So, listeners, if you are in San Diego, you want to check out a cool coffee shop, you can head over to James Coffee. Have you tried their coffee? Yes, I had an Orchata Ice Latte. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm always, every time I see the, the horchatas, lattes and stuff, I try them because, you know, I'm like, how how are you making, you know, my grandma's water into coffee? Right, right, right. But it was good. It was good. It was, it was an interesting, definitely different kind of flavor. Do you like coffee, Roxanne? Oh, I love coffee. I do. I do. Um, I like, you know what I drink just because I'm, I'm a high octane person. Just, I can only have a little bit of coffee a day. That's it. Um, but I like the, um, cafe Bustelo. Oh, okay. That I, I get some of that. I make it really strong and that's all I need all day. Nice. All right. I found them online. Jamescoffee.com. Oh, it's actually jamescoffeeco. Oh yeah. .com. That's right. That's right. Alrighty, yeah, I had the horchata ice latte and it was great. And so you have Cafe Bustelo. I talked about Cafe Bustelo on another episode. So that's oh. Cafe Bustelo has already been on the show. <laughs> it's oh a very gosh. Latino coffee. Wow, and they have a scholarship, oh. by the way, parents. Cafe Bustelo um, annual scholarship. It's on my scholarship list. <laughs> so Interesting. Yeah, See all of these nuggets of information. I had no idea. <laughs> All right, back to the show. Okay, so we've talked about so much and you've given us so much information. Your wealth of knowledge. Thank you. And what would be some tips? Now, we've talked about how kids really can start thinking about college from fourth grade. 
you know, what, what would be some tips that you want to give to parents who are, who maybe have little ones that are maybe younger than fourth grade, but you know, like you can start telling them to read now. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so reading is always, I mean, and, and everyone backs me up on this because this is just, you know, this is well known. Um, you know, reading is, is such a great tool, but what a lot of parents don't realize is the connection between early readers and sustained reading over a long period of time and what that yields for their students when it comes time to their SAT and their mm. AT. So the one thing that we know is that the most voracious readers, okay, and I like to use all these big words, voracious, because I'm an English major, right? Of course. (laughs) Plus, I give my students SAT words of the day all the time. So that's one of my words, voracious. The most um, prolific readers are the ones who are um, scoring in the top percentile of the SAT and the ACT. And the reason why is two-thirds of those tests are reading and writing. Mm. So even if your strength is not math, because that's the other component, um, and science is one, is another component on the ACT. But even if you're you're not strong in those areas, if you're strong in reading and writing, which go hand in hand, strong readers tend to make strong writers. Um, you're going to ace that that exam. So I use the angle of scholarship and you know all about the Benjamins, right? Yes. So it, it's for me and for my students, it's all about the Benjamins. It's one thing to get into college; it's another to you know, get scholarships and get the full ride. So if their reading and writing is strong and they score well on these tests, that percentile is going to help them get into better colleges that will give them more money and it's going to help them win more scholarships. Hmm. So, yeah, so reading is an excellent, you know, just across the board. And they don't have to read anything serious. You know, you don't don't just sit down and read War and Peace or or anything (laughs) What, what I recommend for parents to do is give, give them, you know, books that are appropriate for little kids and fun books. Like our sons, both Emilio and Carlos, they read the whole volume of Captain Underpants, right? Those are not serious books. They're silly books. Emilio read, you know, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. We just want them reading. Reading, yes. yes. We just want them engaged in that reading process. So that would be one tip. Um, and that's on the reading and writing side. On the math side... This is huge. And I didn't discover this. I I didn't know this when my kids were coming up. Um, They just happen to be good in math. So I I didn't, it was not an issue. But for a lot of my students, um, they don't realize the importance of being in the right math track. And there's actually five different math tracks that are going to give them five different college outcomes. Wow. A lot of students don't know this and they don't realize this till they are in high school. So for example, in California, to graduate from high school, students are only required to finish uh, math one and algebra one, whichever one is higher. Okay, that's all they need, and they will graduate and receive a high school diploma. But guess what? Taking those two math classes only qualify you for a community college. You're not qualified to get into a CSU campus or wow. an EC campus, right? And that's huge because yeah. if your parents are you know, first generation immigrants, let's say they don't speak English. They're relying on the student to go through four years of high school and graduate. And rightfully so imagining that their kid is on track for college only to find out they didn't take the right math. Right. Mm. So this is huge. So I want my, my students to know that's, it's a big tip. Know that there are five different tracks. So there's one for the community colleges. There's one for CSU, one for the UC, one for private selective colleges, and one for 
the Ivy Leagues and students going into STEM majors. So they wow. have to be aware of that. Yeah. And I, I won't go into the boring details of <laughs> what the math is, but let me just let me just put this out there to kind of put it in perspective. So my students that are getting into the top, you know, Ivy League universities and getting into the top STEM um, programs like engineering, medicine, et cetera, those students are taking both sections of AP calculus, AP calculus A B and AP Calculus BC. It doesn't matter what order they take them, but they're taking those two years of AP Calculus. If you look at your traditional high school um, course selection guide and you look at the four years, most students are not going to end up. No. No, you would have to start out at Algebra 2 as a freshman. And most students are not going to start that. So naturally, my parents will say, well, how do I I accelerate that, right? Yeah. there's a lot of things that, that they can do to accelerate their math track. I won't go in into all the details, but um, it's in the books. It's on my blog. So they don't even have to buy the books if they don't want it. They want free information. I have a blog that has all of this information, but it's really important to know um, so you're not blindsided. Okay. Wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you're telling me all of this and I'm thinking back at what I did and I'm like, no wonder I did everything wrong. <laughs> no, you must have done something right. You must have done something right because you, you're a very accomplished, smart Latina. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But this is great information for, for parents. And I think it's the reading part. I think that's what's so like it's important to me because I see it now with with the younger generations because you can see, you can tell they're reading like the reading level by the way they speak and by the way they write too, like you yes, said. Yes, yes. So what would you tell, because I hear it a lot, parents that say, well, my kid doesn't like to read. Oh, that's hard. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 and I have a lot of parents that ask me, they'll ask me about like, how do I motivate my child or how do I, you know, get them to do this and get them to the, to that. And I, and I'm, I'm very honest. I, I don't sugarcoat things and I, I'm very, in an honest way, I tell them I honestly don't know. I honestly don't have the answer to that. Um, you know, I wish I did. I'd be <laughs> a millionaire if I could <laughs> how to motivate how to motivate kids. Um, but what I do know that I that I've seen personally, that I've experienced myself, that I've read in the research is when Latino students are surrounded by other students who have high goals. Um, that's one of the ways that we um, can get our kids uh, on that pathway to college, right? You know how they say birds of a feather flock mm. to So if, if a certain kid, let's say it's a young lady, a, a, let's say a third grader or fourth grader, and if she's only hanging around with students that say, oh, we hate school and, you know, we don't want to read and we don't want to do this, then we need to change her friends, right? We yes. need to get her in a circle of Latinas who are, you know, interested in reading and, and not just reading, but interested in a lot of different things and are active, you know, um, maybe on the chess team. They have chess teams in elementary school, you know, active in participating in the science fairs, active in maybe they have a dance club. You know, we want them to be around. Get them involved. The kids, yeah, get involved. Do stuff. Uh, things that are positive instead of just staying at home, being on your laptop or your iPhone or whatever, and just watching YouTube videos, that's not going to get our kids um, elevated to the place to help them actualize their potential, mm. right? Have, they all have a lot of potential. I see it with my own eyes. Um, but we, we often don't have a mechanism to make sure that they're actualizing their potential. Totally. And I think I agree 100% that parents have a big influence 
and and what the kids do and and setting examples I think as yes. well. Like I remember my mom would read every night before going to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh, how sweet. And I'd be I'm... like, "Mom, you're weird," you know, but she would like <laughs> she would literally be in bed with a little lamp reading and she would always tell the stories how she when she was young, she needed started needing glasses early because she would like be by a window and read with the outside light. Oh. Because she just like reading so much. And so now, you know, I I I think back and and I like to read because because my mom read. So definitely yes. parents have an influence on it's I guess the immediate the you know, the first influential yes. person I guess that the kids They, they are they are the most influential people in their kids' lives. So parents who are listening, you are the rock star for your child. I don't care if your child doesn't tell you, you know, once a week, I love you, or doesn't say that they appreciate what you're doing. The work that you're doing right now is phenomenal and is going to have a lifetime impact on your child. And in the first book that I wrote, The the Flight of the Quetzal Mama, I talk about how parents can't just talk the talk. Mm. They have to walk the walk because our kids are paying attention to us. If we say to them, mijo, college is so important. You know, you have to read books, but they don't see us reading books. What kind of message are we sending to them? Right. right? Um, mijo, you know, you have to get, you have to be very organized and you have to like, you know, do all these things and they're not doing it or they're not even showing them how to do it. It won't happen miraculously. Um, so, one of the examples I give in the book is that, you know, it's not always convenient. Like for your mom, it wasn't convenient for her to stay up late and to read you guys books, but she did it. For us now, it's not convenient. Every um, Saturday, we drive from San Marcos to Digital Gym in on El Cajon in oh, San Oh, yes. And we've been doing that for three years. We take our son to these um, filmmaking classes because he, you know, he likes film. He likes making claymation, stop motion films. So we support him. We're not just talking the talk. We walk the walk. Yes, we could be doing a lot better things. It's it's six hours of our time because it's a four hour workshop and it's two hours of driving. Yeah. And that's every Saturday. And, you know, we want our son to know we support you, son. We're backing you. We're taking time out of our day. It's not convenient, but we're going to do it because you know why? We believe in you and we know you're going to do something extraordinary for humanity. Our son believes that because, and parents, your kids will believe you. If you tell your child they are a special gift, that they've been gifted with talents, and that they are destined to make some kind of profound contribution to humanity, they will believe you. Yeah. They will. They, they will gave believe. me chills. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's, and it's true. And we, you know, we're, I'm not, I say this all the time. I'm not a genius, you know, um, you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, I started school way later. You know, I'm not this traditional person who t- normally is in academia, but I did learn something. My mom is a clinical psychologist. Okay. So I was very fortunate to grow up in a home where my mom knew that psychology was like 99% of it, right? Yes. We were like her guinea pigs and she would tell us stuff. You know, she gave me this poster that I had over my bed. So this was something I would see every night before I went to sleep and every morning before I woke up. And this big poster said, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Mm -hmm. If you believe it, you can become it. Now, I never asked my mom, why did you get that poster? Why did you put that over my bed? She probably knew I needed 
did the most help. That's right. I was always like the defiant one. So maybe that was the reason why. I don't know, but I can tell you, Pam, when I saw that, I sure as heck believed it. And I, that feeling, that thought, that, that, um, just that belief has stayed with me to this day. I still think if you dream it, you, you know, if you believe it, you can become it. I still believe that. And in fact, I teach that to the scholars in my Quetzal Mama Scholars program. Every workshop we have, we do a positive affirmation. Mm. No, it's so important. And the research shows that for Latino students and African-American students, positive um, affirmations like that have a more profound effect on them than any. Yeah. So, so parents, you know, just having those words and saying to your child, you know, you're a special child, you're really smart, you're going to do something extraordinary, that's going to seep into their um, subconscious mind. And eventually it does come true. I mean, you can't just tell them one time, right? Right. It has to be consistent. It has to be consistent. And you have to also engage in the activities to prove that you believe that. Mm -hmm. So like when I said, you know, we drive Emilio to this thing, he knows, we don't have to say it, Emilio knows we're taking him there because we believe this is part of the big plan, right? Right. This is part of our investment because we know he's going to do something extraordinary. So, um, yeah. So it's it's really that's important. Absolutely. Do you have a success story from a student that was not like so motivated that came to your your programs or your workshops and and then it switched? Do you want to share that comes to mind? I actually, you know, it's, it's interesting. And this is why I think my, I love my program is because (laughs) students that come to the program, they're already on board, right? So they've just to qualify to be in the program, they have to have a 3.5 GPA. Okay. They have to have taken so many AP classes and they have to have certain scores, et cetera. Um, but within that realm, I, I will take some students that are more on the minimum level. And then I have some students on the other side. Um, but you know, I, all the students who do come to me, they all, they're already engaged and they, they're like hungry for this. So I actually don't have a story of someone who wasn't, you know, necessarily on board, but then later got interested, but that's just because of the nature of the program. Yeah. So they, they, they're already hungry for it. They're, yes. They're hungry. Yeah. They, they want to want it. They have to want it. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. So we're, we're getting close to to the time and, and I want to respect your time. So what are all, let's run us through the programs that you, that you have. Okay. So you have the four, fourth grader boot camp. Yes, I have. So I have boot camps for um, fourth to sixth grade. I have boot camps for middle schoolers and I have boot camps for high school students, um, juniors and seniors. Although I've done boot camps for freshmen and sophomore, I personally think it's more effective for juniors and seniors because they're right in the throes of everything. So I've got boot camps. I also do um, workshops and webinars um, throughout the United States and I do that ongoing. And all a, a person has to do if they want me to come out to their district, um, they just got to shoot me an email to quetzalmama at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, so I do workshops and webinars. Um, I um, come out and do talks, you know, if, if a district, for example, Pittsburgh Unified um, in December, they bought a thousand copies of my books. Nice. So I, uh, I know, isn't that nice? So I went out, I mean, what a gift to buy gift a book to each parent. These were all the incoming freshman parents. 
So what a, what a gift to be able to give that to them. Um, and then I came out and I talked. I did a presentation on, um, I forget what the topic was. I do a hundred different topics. So <laughs> <laughs> really, um, so, so yeah, so I, I'll do book talks. Um, I go to a lot of college fairs. Um, I do, do a lot of public speaking, motivational speaking. Um, yeah. And then just, and my books and, and then my your scholars program, right? Tell Mama Scholars Program. So this program is a free program. It's a hundred percent free. There's no gimmicks. At the last minute, I don't say, "Okay, well, I want ten percent of your cut of your scholarship." <laughs> That's like that, right? Um, so the the program is open to all the public school districts here in North County. So I take students from as far as way as uh, Fallbrook, okay, Oceanside, Carlsbad, uh, San Marcos. Um, Vista. So all the schools around here in North County, and they have to be high school juniors. They apply online. It's an easy application. They don't even have to do an essay or anything. Um, not yet. They apply <laughs> online. And then um, I select finalists, and then I interview them, and then I pick 20 students. And I work with those students for one year. Wow. We start, yeah, we start, we're starting actually, our kickoff is March 4th. And these are juniors, so I'll be working with them Throughout the spring, we work all summer, and then we work all next year, even beyond the time they apply to colleges, because then I help them with scholarships, and then I help them apply to other programs. Um, so if you go to QuetzalMama.com, there's a link on the first, the homepage that says Quetzalmama Scholars. Um, to qualify, because obviously there's qualifications, yes. the students must receive free and reduced lunch because it's free, right? It's a free program. So I am targeting students who have the most obstacles and barriers. They have to be first-generation college-going students. Um, they have to attend a public school in that region that I mentioned, um, only because, I mean, they could live farther, but they would- They need to come to you. They need to come to the workshops, yeah. <laughs> we meet every other week, so they, they get here, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they got to live locally. They, it's a 3.5 GPA um, and that's about it. Uh, and they can find more information on the website. Yeah. And for those who are maybe further or outside of the, out of California, you have great resources on your website. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of, they can, I have a lot of free, um, like templates and information. And then there's the blog articles that cover everything. Um, and they've been, I've been posting blog articles every month since I think 2012 or 2013. So there's a lot of articles. Yeah. Yeah, so they can get that there. Oh, and they could right now. I mentioned earlier that the um, the window for scholarships is typically January first through April first. So if students are not applying for scholarships in that window of time, that's ninety nine percent of scholarships. They're going to miss that window. So if they wait, they're in their senior year, let's say of high school, or they're undergraduates, and they it's. Um, May 1st, and then they are thinking, oh, now i got to come up with money for my tuition in September. Right. They would have missed the boat. So what I've created is a um, opt-in list. It's a free list where all you have to do is you go to my quetzalmama.com page, and you click on I am a student, and a little link will come up for scholarships. You click on scholarships, and if you want to opt in, you would opt in there. And what that gives you is every two weeks – I will send you a list of scholarships that have deadlines within those two weeks. Mm. And these are vetted scholarships that I have personally vetted over the last seven years. They're all geared for Latino students, first-generation college-going students, undocumented students. Um, and, it's, and it's not just scholarships. They're also leadership programs, 
internships, um, research, and none of these programs will cost the students money. I will not promote any program that's going to charge a fee to a student. So these are all, they're either free scholarships or they're programs that don't cost fees to attend. Wow. And your goal is for the students to get a full ride? Yes. To college. Yes, because it's one thing to get into college, but for, you know, since I'm working, um, 99% of my students are low-income students, how are they, their families going to pay right. for the right? So I want them to learn strategies and tips and methods so that they can position themselves not just to get in the college, but to get the full ride. Yeah, I think that's awesome what you're doing. <laughs> because not only are you, are you helping them for free, but they're also, you know, getting a full ride to yeah. get educated. Yes. And I look for those students, especially the ones um, for my Quetzal Mama Scholars Program, the students who I know are going to end up giving back to their community. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing for me to help them out, but I want them to pay it forward. And I want to pick those kids who I think are going to be the ones that will go out and make some change in their community in the future. Totally. Oh, my gosh. So for college or people who are applying for, for students who are applying for or looking to be in college next up in the fall. Yes. Is it? I'm so out of the school calendar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it starts so early. Yeah. So apply now for scholarships. For scholarships. The window is January through April. Yes. So these are high school seniors right now. These are also community college students or undergraduate students. So I have different scholarships for different groups. Um, but right now is the window. Okay. And I wanted to ask you, when you went to college, did you apply your, your... Oh my goodness. Yes. I have, I have a, a $100,000 story to share with you. So when I decided to go back to college, um, and especially I want to use my doctoral program as the example, um, because when I applied and got into the doctoral program, I was already 50 years old, right? So I was already a re-entry student, but I joke with my students and I said, you know what? The tips that I'm teaching you in the book nailed it. All of those tips that are in there, I applied all of those tips and I was able to receive a full fellowship that was worth $100,000. Wow. So, yeah. So that was a full ride. And so I tell my students, see, I'm not just walking, I'm not just talking the talk. I'm walking the walk. I just use those tools and was able to get this fellowship. Um, you know, and I tell them again, I'm not bragging, but I need to share this with you. I need to promote this because it's possible. It's possible. And, and the tips that are in there, they're not, you know, super difficult, you know, tips, but they're just things that most students don't think about or right. don't really know how to articulate it or don't know really how to structure it. So this just teaches them how to do it so that they can maximize their chances of getting a full fellowship. So yeah. So thank you for asking that question. I, I love sharing that story. That's it amazing. Worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. You don't need to that's inspiring me to go back to school now. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Because yep, yep. my, my, it is true. Like one of my concerns, I've been wanting to go back to school, but one of my concerns is like, I'm still paying student loans, sadly, you know? Oh. So how am I going to pay for, for a master's program? But now I know that I don't necessarily have to. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, you would. So what I, my, I have undergraduate students that I coach who are wanting to go into master's programs. And the first thing I tell them is you want to find programs that provide funding sources because not all programs provide scholarships or fellowships for master's students or yeah. PhD students. Okay. So in my case, there were so few scholarships that were available 
this was just really fortunate. This was just, you know, I was at the right place at the right time. Mm. Heard about this fellowship. I decided to apply for it. But the the essay was like um, 2,500 words. That's what they wanted. Right. And I think that's daunting for a lot of people. And I thought, oh, I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> You're in your fifth book? That's I know. Big deal. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I cut and paste right here. Yeah. <laughs> But no, but seriously, so that would be the first tip if, if there's for yourself or anyone listening, if you're wanting to go into a graduate program, the first thing you want to do is find programs that have something within the program that provides funding mm. because you only want to apply to those programs. I yeah. mean, why apply to a program where your odds of getting some kind of funding are zero? You will apply for financial aid, but the financial aid is just to qualify you for loans. Okay? Yes. You want loans in your yes. program. You do not want loans. So... So that's my tip for me. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And we're getting, we're, we have to close. So the last two questions that I ask my list, my guests are, do you have a remedy that you want to share? Cause you know, Latinos were all about remedies and you know, the remedio or hmm. rem- like what have, what have other, tell, give me a couple. Um, well, a lot of people, a lot of people probably, I don't know, 60% of my guests have said VIX. <laughs> Oh, that they use Vicks for everything. <gasps> oh, how funny. Yeah. You I've know what? had like tea. Tea. You know, like um, Michelle Olvera, for example, she shared that her mom would burn, uh, not burn, make tea out of eucalyptus leaves. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's something that you not necessarily think about all the time, but like. I would say so for me, I, I think. Maybe it's DNA. Hopefully, I think it's DNA. Um, I don't know what it is. I rarely get sick, and I don't have, um, you know, any health issues. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, for that. <laughs> so grateful. But I can tell you when I do feel either under the weather or I think even more importantly, as, as Latinas, when we start doubting ourselves and we start getting into the dumps, right, and we're like, uh, you know, I, I, I feel unmotivated. I feel... Um, you know, let down, I feel, you know, upset. Maybe someone hurt our feelings or we didn't get the promotion we wanted or um, we didn't get the book deal we wanted. Whatever the thing is, we didn't get into the master's program, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the issue is of the day that we're dealing with, my remedy has always been just to write down on a piece of paper, you know, pen and paper, good old-fashioned pen and paper, um, something that has to do with your self-worth. You know, I, I am, I am an extraordinary human or I am very smart or I am um, dedicated or I am a great mom. I mean, whatever you want to write just to help yourself in that moment to feel better mm. and as a remedy to all the negative stressors that we get. Cause we're just, you know, bombarded with negative stressors, but, um, I like to do that and it changes your whole, I honestly think it changes your whole physiology, but it changes your mindset. Um, and, and I also, in the morning, I do something called a walk of gratitude. As soon as I get out of bed, before I even step my feet onto the ground, each step that I take on my way to my coffee or my tea (laughs) is I say one thing that I'm grateful for. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm grateful. I have two feet that I can walk on. Yes. I'm grateful. Emilio's you know, I, I passed his room on the way. I'm grateful my son Emilio is here. You know, I'm blessed to have a son. I'm grateful my husband has a job. You know, I'm grateful I have a home with a, a roof. A roof yeah. I'm, I'm grateful I have clean water to drink. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have, um, you know, this wonderful community like, you know, Cafe Pont Con Pan. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I could think of a 
a million things I'm grateful for. And I guarantee you, by the time you step foot in the kitchen, your whole mindset will be completely Changes. different. Well, that's my that's my remedy. <laughs> I love that. Love that. I would, yeah, for sure. And the last question is, do you have a quote, a mantra or something that you go by? You shared the one, your poster when you were growing up. And I think that's great. Do you have another one or do you want to use that one? I want to use that one. Okay. Yeah, I want to use that one. I mean, I have that's for me personally, for my parents who have students that are in middle school or, or in high school. The quote I want to give you is from Cesar Chavez because the Cesar Chavez um, birthday is coming up soon. Um, he said very profoundly, the brilliant man that he was, um, surely the best education is service to others. That was his quote. Mm. And, and I, and I, I believe that, um, and I, and I lead with that in a workshop I do on community service, the importance of community service and how that's tied to scholarships. <laughs> I always bring it back. <laughs> I always bring it back. Money, right but you know that's that's what we're dealing with it's it's all about but but I, I like that quote nice perfect okay so let's go through where can people find you we have your website yep quetzalmama.com is the website I'm at quetzalmama on twitter okay um, facebook.com slash quetzalmama and where I'm not on instagram or snapchat because I've never used it so <laughs> I should one day I, I don't know but yeah Maybe. So- that's, that's where I am. That's where I am. If you want to contact me, um, email's a good way. I never answer my phone, just so you know, but my email is mama um, <laughs> at gmail.com. Okay. And I'll have all of that on the show notes. And where can we buy your books? You have, oh, thank you. You're working thank on your fifth book right yes. now. Yes. I'm working on a book for middle school students. Okay. A funny, funny book that's kind of like Diary of a Wimpy Kid meets Captain Underpants meets, you know, all these different characters. But um, but it's based on a, a group of Latino students at a fictitious school in San Isidro, so near the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a middle school. It's called Melchor Ocampo Middle School. I had to throw the Ocampo in there. <laughs> of course. So, so it's just a funny story about this lady that comes to visit. And her name is Dr. Madeline Sainz, who's a college admissions consultant. And so all these crazy things happen and um, really funny characters. But that one, I'm, I'm writing it right now. But the other books you can find on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Okay. Or if you want, um, they're, they're, I think my books are $14, but if you want a discount on the books, you can, um, for orders of a hundred books or more, I can give you a, uh, my publisher discount. So they would need to contact me, um, if they want that. And I also have a special promotion where if parents or community organizations or school districts, if they want me to come out um, I normally charge a fee for the presentations. The districts pay the fee. My students never pay. Um, I will waive the presentation fee for a minimum book uh, purchase. Purchase. Okay. Yeah. Nice. More information if they email me. Perfect. And I'll I'll write that down on the show notes as well okay. for for any anyone interested. Great. Great. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Roxanne, Ketel Mama, for, for being here, for your time. We had some technical difficulties in the beginning, but we overcame them. Yes, overcame we did. Them. Yes. So that was great. Thank you for all you do. You're definitely making a difference in the community. And how many students have you had in the last seven years, do you know? Oh, my gosh, thousands. Because every year, so you, every, I can go to a venue and there can be 700 students. Wow. In, in this workshop or 1,000 in a, in a keynote speech or 
you know, the students in my coaching program or, you know, I'm up and down California all the time. So um, I would say, oh my gosh, at least like 60,000. Wow. Yeah, at least 60,000 <laughs> and growing. So yeah, hopefully one day it'll be a million students. Yeah. Well, what an inspiration. <laughs> Thank and thanks you. again for all of you, the things that you do. I definitely encourage listeners to go to quetzalmama.com. Lots of resources for everyone, for parents, for students, for for colleges too. I saw a, a thing yeah. where you, for college organizations as well. Yeah. Yes, college-going organizations like Avid Europe. I partner with those organizations because their students are wonderful and they've prepared them so well. So by the time they come to me, it makes my job so much easier. Um, and they're just really good kids. Um, so yeah, college-going organizations, um, educational leaders, superintendents, you know, principals, there's information for you on this website as well. Very nice. And thank you. Thank you for having this platform available. Um, What a unique space, you know, and the whole coffee angle. I love it. I'm, I'm actually going to go try that coffee. Yeah. I'm going to go there and try that coffee and I'll post about it. Um, But thank you for, for providing this medium. We need to have, you know, the voices of, of Latinos in the communities to showcase what's available. You know, how, how can they reach certain people uh, so that we can advance. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we need, we need, especially right now under the Trump administration, you know, it's really important that we unite and help each other out. Absolutely. And and that's my, my goal. You know, my whole, my motto is to spread ideas with people. So yeah. by bringing amazing individuals like you, we are inspiring others, all of our listeners to, to do better, to dream bigger and to just change the world. Yes, change the world. Excellent. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave me a review because that helps by you leaving a review on iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the show. It it just helps promotion and it allows other people to find out about it. For the non-iTunes users, you can find the podcast also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Player FM, and blueberry, I think that's what it's called. I've every like every time I someone tells me about where they found me, they mention another platform. So I'm everywhere basically. <laughs> every podcast platform. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot me an email at pam at spreadideasmovepeople.com. Don't forget to like Cafe Con Pam on Facebook and follow Cafe Con Pam Podcast on Instagram. And a reminder that we have a P.O. box, so you can send me coffee, send me letters, send me anything that you want, and I will talk about it on the show, and I'll post it on Instagram. The P.O. box is 33901 San Diego, California, 92163. You can visit spreadideasmovepeople.com forward slash podcast forward slash 20 to check out the show notes. Shout out to Henry Custer for the music and for the production of the show. And once again, Katal Mama, thank you so much for all you do. And people keep shining. Yay, thank you. At the Home Depot, the start of spring means it's time to add Vigoro and Earth Grow colored mulch to your list and your cart. Right now, get five bags at a special buy, just 10 bucks. Mulch helps retain soil moisture in shades of red, brown, or black. Hey, it's nice out. Today is the day for doing and mulching.
with Vigoro and EarthGrow colored mulch, five bags, 10 bucks, only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Color selection varies by store. Limit 60 per customer, continental U.S. only. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.